Sports Talk Radio Show. The Sports Machine with Slim. Coming to you live from Concord, New Hampshire. WKXL. And guess what? We got a ton to talk about today. We're wrapping up the week. We're here every day, every weekday, 10 to 11. Usually get started actually about 10.08 after the commercials and stuff. We're talking lots of Celtics basketball. We're talking lots of Bruins hockey. We mix in, hey, Patriots stuff here and there now that the season's, uh, the off season has begun. The draft talk will be coming up shortly. I want to talk NCAA basketball more and more. I didn't mention yesterday that my Kentucky Wildcats have lost the night before to LSU on a last second shot. Pretty crazy. Kentucky had come down taking the lead with like 10 seconds left, but then LSU came down. Got a last-second shot. They defeat Kentucky Wildcats. But Kentucky will be heard from in the tournament. Write it all down. Kentucky's a team you're going to have to watch out for. Let's talk about the Celtics. Why not? They won me some money last night. They won us some money. I told people I haven't been betting. I had $100 still in the account. I took out the other money, the winnings from Damian Lillard. I had 100 in the account. I bet it on the Celtics minus eight and a half last night. And we had an odds boost thanks to DraftKings. So we got paid plus 130 on the money. So now there's 230 in the account. And we're just going to try and double it up and talk about it here on the air. I don't have anything that I'm planning to, to wager on. If somebody wants to call in and say, hey, I've got a guarantee, maybe I can risk it all on your guarantee. 603 224 14 50 is the number to the sports hotline here. The sports machine was slim. 603-224-1450. The line is open if you want to call. If you have something you really like, I'd even be tempted to go on Jason Tatum. Odds are still 22 to 1 for MVP. Last night he had 5 points in the first quarter. Uh, for, sorry, first half. He was really deferring. But what I am seeing from Tatum is it's not deferring to be like Oh, here, you know, I don't want to play tonight because he's being a monster grabbing rebounds and he's making great passes. And this is what's going to get talked about Saturday night when the Celtics play live on national TV on ABC against the New York Knicks. We're at New York on Saturday night. And I'm telling you, people, the talk is going to be about Tatum because the Celts are up by like six games in the East now. We're going to be 10 games in front by the end of the year. And not only in the East, we're going to be up by close to 10 games by everybody in the league. And the talk is going to be about how Tatum is, is taking a little bit of a backseat to benefit his team. And he talked about it last night post-game. He said, the only thing that I'm going to be judged on is winning championships. And so that's what I'm focused on, doing what I can to make everybody else on the team better to have the common goal of winning a title. That's the type of talk I want to hear from you, Jason Tatum. And maybe it's easy to talk like that when we're winning and we're having so much success as a team. When it comes playoff time and we're in a tough series, whether it's against, maybe it's against the Miami Heat in the first round. Our nemesis. Um, and, and I want it. I'm not saying I don't want Miami. I want Miami in the first round. You know why? Because I'm not a weak, cowardly New England area sports fan like so many people out there are. Just spoiled brats. 
from winning all these times with Tom Brady and all the other teams that followed the success of the Patriots. Tom trailblazed for us. And now that he's gone, well, I think the Bruins, oh, last year we lost in the first round. You know, we can't trust them. The Celtics, they can't get it done. These guys are soft. They think they're better than they are. And then we root for them. And, and then when they disappoint us, we just make excuses and say, oh, this team, they, they, they're never going to win anything. That's how a lot of New England area fans' mindsets are right now, and it's terrible. And I'm here to lead the charge to cause all of you to toughen up. You got two incredible teams to root for, the Celtics and this Bruins squad, which I'm going to spend more time talking about here today too. Let's quickly roll through the Celtics and my winning the plus 130 odds. Thank you, DraftKings. Plus 230 now. Celts get out of the game 17-9 in front. I'm writing down in my notebook, Derek White swats the swear word out of Vucevic, the seven-footer, and then immediately Monster swats another dude who caught that ball. (laughs) So he swatted Vucevic, it bounces into the hands of another Chicago Bull, and then Derek White just lays down the lumba, swat another guy clean. He is so good from a timing perspective. Really reminds me of myself, actually, if I do say so. Uh, And that was the possession. He did this, the possession, after he had previously stolen the ball and went in for a wide open, like a dunk, clear lane. It wasn't wide open. There was a guy kind of contesting. In fact, it was Vucevic who didn't contest him. But that was two possessions in a row. Derek White just totally stole the show. This kid is a talent to be appreciated. He can shoot from three. He's obviously worked. He couldn't shoot threes when he came here at first. Now he's like one of the best knockdown three-point shooters in the NBA. I feel confident. I want him shooting threes. I want Derek White shooting five to six threes a game in the playoffs. I do. And that goes totally against my upbringing and everything that I've seen from the Celtics over the last bunch of years where we've developed just to to be soft, three-point focused shooting team. But this guy can shoot. Get the ball to Derek White, and I believe he's tough. Man, last night... Back to my notebook. We are playing D. We're up 25 to 11. And we're not just automatically switching every time in the pick and roll. We're fighting through sometimes. I noticed Tatum do it. I think Jalen Brown did it. And maybe even White, too. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Joe Mazzulla's coaching these guys up. Don't play lazy D where you switch everything all the time. It sets a bad precedent for the playoffs. You can't just want to switch all the time. That means you're, like, afraid of the contact. Why else do you switch? I mean, if you're guarding the man to begin with, it's because, well, I'm guarding him. I'm the best matchup to stop that man. Well, now we're going to switch. Okay, no, apparently you're the best person to, to guard that man I just was guarding. Like, no. Sometimes you need to fight through because we want a defender on that particular guy with the ball. And the Celtics are starting to do that. I noticed a little bit before the All-Star break, and then I noticed it last night. Meanwhile, none of that really mattered because... We were playing so well on offense. Celts are up 31 to 23 after one. At halftime, we were down 62-59. So we just our offense, st- I mean, stayed playing pretty well. But our defense, we were playing D when we we're up 25 to 11, and then it just went away. You know what started it? And I mentioned this, and I got ripping about it a couple weeks ago. The two-one-two zone. As soon as we switched and started playing zone, Missoula wants to try and practice and work this in. We give up wide open threes. The guys are shooting uncontested threes. Pass it to the middle. The middle guy turns, kicks it opposite side to the wing. Wide open three. It's so simple. 
They don't know how to play this 2-1-2 zone. Missoula, stop playing it, dude. It didn't matter last night because you let Chicago get all the momentum. They're up 62-59 at halftime because our D just, when in basketball, when you get hot, it's tough to stop the person. Vucevic was on fire. I think he had 18 in the first half. He couldn't miss. And then they let the kid from Illinois, I forget his name, get hot. Desamu, I forget him, but I liked him a lot at Illinois, and I like him on the Bulls, too. I just don't think the rest of his team competes hard enough, unfortunately, so they're going nowhere. Um, but anyway, back to the notebook real quick. Porzingis, the alley-oop is a ridiculous weapon, isn't it? When you watch, I'm like, he sets a pick and roll and starts to like go towards the hoop, and he's at the free throw line, and the Celts are like all throwing up alley-oops. I'm like, what, what, dude, that's kind of far. And he gets it and dunks it home easily. What a weapon it is. Porzingis needs to stay healthy, man. If he stays healthy, it's just like, dude, we got so many options on this team. Derek White, Jason Tatum, Kristaps Porzingis. We haven't even mentioned Drew Holiday, who I heard last night statistically is the best corner three-point shooter. Not corner, sorry, wing, um, like the elbow extended out to the three-point line. The best elbow shooting player in the NBA, 60-something percent. Man, I've been watching Drew. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he's not as great of a three-point shooter as I thought. Statistically, he's number one from the elbows extended out three-point line. And then I didn't even mention Jalen Brown, who last night was hot as a firecracker in the first half. They were totally searching him out. But then he got feeling great about himself and turns the ball over two times, once with like a horrible dribble action and once with like a ridiculous, terrible pass. Jalen Brown's the guy that focus on your defense, dude. Focus on your defense. Tatum's like doing a little bit less and happy with it to try and win a championship. Brown needs to don't be forcing things come playoff time, dude. Please. Celts 2-1-2 defense helping down off shooters. Ugh. But I will say, Chicago played their tails off last night. And it didn't matter. Celts opened up at 86 to 72 with three minutes left in the third. Tatum nailed an end of quarter three, step back three, which I do not like, but he did nail it. So the Celts went up 96-83, entering the fourth. Finished the game 129 to 112. Capital C-A-S-H exclamation point. We win the bet. The sports machine with Slims on 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. New Hampshire Talk Radio. .com is where you want to be. We'll be right back. Let's talk some Bruins victory. No, Bruins loss. Unfortunately, the Bruins lose 3-2. But fortunately, we have a caller ready to come on the airwaves. The Pistol, what's happening? I didn't give myself the nickname. I earned it. You're talking to the man who taught Pistol Pete the three-man weave. Let's go, Slim. You're on a winning streak. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm hot, baby. I, I, what should we do? We're up to two thirty in the account, and here's my plan: we're just gonna double it up every time. And I'm talking if it got to five thousand, we're betting it all on a game. I, I would, I will continue to do it by myself, but I'd much rather do it in a coordinated effort. Do you have any um, winners slash losers? I'm not sure how to look at this, but do you have any guarantees that you think we might want to wager on? <laughs> I, I haven't come up with any guarantees for this week, so I, I can't help you out with the next set. I'm a little nervous about the doubling up because, of course, if you try to double up, you can always lose it all. I'm fine. But I'm uh, fine I, with that. Never. I do like I do like the idea of splitting the money up a little bit and doing some futures bets. What type of futures bets? I'll put it all on one future if you really like something. But I mean, the Celtics, the, even the Bruins, to come out of the East, I think are plus four twenty-five right now, and I'm like, I don't know, that's not a great bet. Yeah, yeah. If you like the long odds, I think the one that you called out with Tatum, the twenty-two to one, is a pretty fun one to bet. Uh, and then, you know, it, the Celtics. I don't know what they are to come out of the East. They're probably like plus two thirty, something like that. So that's not a not high odds, but a, fu- a fun one just because the show's been rooting for. They're plus one fifteen pistol to come out of the East. Oh, plus wow. 115. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Celts are hardcore oh, favorites, man. Plus two thirty. Yeah, to win it all, the Celts are plus two forty right now. But to come out of the East, plus 115, there's no money there. I mean, I would rather bet, not for nothing, I'd rather bet Philadelphia at plus 12, yeah. like 12 to 1. If Embiid comes back and is healthy, they're going to be tough. Yeah, what do you think of the finals odds? I think Denver's at plus 500 and the Clippers are around the same same area. Those guys, those two are about even odds. Yeah, I mean, well, here's what I'll tell you. If the 76ers get there, they're winning it all. The seventies. If they happen to get there, Nick Nurse is going to to win it all. That's what's going to happen. The West, though, is a juggernaut. I I mean, who who would I pick to get out of the West right now? I would be jumping on, I guess, the Nuggets. I mean, how could you not? They did it last year. They've already been there. I mean, I, I think Golden State has a shot. Just so you know, Pistol, we can you can take over this here. The to come out of the West, the Nuggets are plus two fifty five. Clippers are plus two sixty. The Golden State Warriors are plus nineteen hundred right now. Wow! Yeah, what do you think of those odds? I mean, you gotta like that because lately with Draymond, they have played very well, and that's exactly what they did a few years ago when they won the whole thing. Right? They turned it on about this time of the season, and you know, won eighty percent of their games, went into the playoffs hot. The, the tough thing with that team is can they like can they handle the young speedy teams right? They had a lot of trouble with Sacramento last year just because Sacramento got up and down the court really really fast. But I think half of it's chemistry though. Jordan Poole was on that team last year with Golden State right, and that was when Draymond Green and him had the incident at the beginning of the the season, if my memory is correct. Now Draymond came back off a big suspension. Jonathan Kaminga had a chance to settle into like the number two scoring role on that team. So Draymond said it actually has helped the team with him being out. Just just get your pencil. Listen to this because Golden State at nineteen to one, they're playing better. They beat the Lakers last night by eighteen. Steph Curry goes off for thirty five points, and Clay Thompson one for nine from three. Yet they still win by eighteen. Just think of this lineup, Pistol. You have Steph Curry, you have Andrew Wiggins, who if his head's on, he is awesome. Draymond Green does what he does. Jonathan Kaminga can score. Then you got the Bradska guy or whatever his name is at the point guard spot. But Clay Thompson off the bench. Why can't that team like win it all, dude? Steph Curry's a winner. Yeah, some of their young guys are interesting too. So 
what, what, I'm curious if Chris Paul fits into your equation at all. Is he a guy that is coming back for them, and would he be playing in the playoffs? Good question. I mean, embarrassingly, I don't really know what he's doing. I don't even know where he is. He's not a guy I really care for, to be honest with you. I, I do like Trace Jackson Davis, though, who's the guy that came out of Indiana last year, their big guy, and I think he had 18 coming off the bench for them last night. He's a good player, dude. Yeah, and his minutes have been going up mm-hmm. lately, right? Like, he's one of the guys coming off. Like, they have three really young guys that are playing some decent minutes for them. The Brandon Podziemski, whatever his name is, uh, Kaminga, and then Jackson Davis is starting to play a little bit more. I haven't, some of the guys that I haven't seen is like, usually, I think Gary Payton Jr. Yep. is still on that team. Yep. And I don't know, I haven't seen him on the court very much. Um, and then Dario Saric, who's like, can come out there and get you some buckets. Uh, is on that team. So they do have some guys that you know can give you 10 minutes in a playoff game and do all right. Kevin Looney is a big guy. He's only playing 11 minutes a game. He played eight, eight minutes last night. He's he, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to score, but he's a big physical player who was on a championship team for them as the starting center, He and he's imposing on defense. So if I was going to bet longer odds, I would be playing the Golden State Warriors at 19-1 to 1 to come out of the West. Wow. So what, what do you want to talk about with, with you know, the pistol? I want you to have the floor here for a little bit. <laughs> uh, well, I was interested. You had mentioned col- uh, college basketball earlier this week, and you, I think that you watched the Creighton-UConn game. Is yes. that true? I watched a, ch- a chunk how, of it, yes. So I did not see that game, but I'm really curious about how Creighton smashed them. Well, Cockbrenner is a big guy in the middle for them, and he's come back. If you watched them last year uh, through the through the tournament, he's a guy who can score. He's averaging 18 points a game for them, but they got a Stephen Ashworth guy who's a little point guard who played for Utah State last year, and I jumped on their bandwagon. They lost to San Diego State, I think it was, in their conference final tournament. San Diego State ended up coming in the tournament last year and crushing, right? Didn't they make it to the Final Four? Is that the team they have correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so, they made Final Four last year. This Ashworth guy is a sharp-shooting little point guard. He looked almost like John Stockton and plays pretty similar to Stockton too, actually. But he transferred to Creighton over the offseason, and now he's playing for them, and now he's settled into a role and feeling comfortable. He's playing a lot better. And they got a couple other dudes on this team for Creighton too. I, I just think UConn's missing Jordan Hawkins, dude. When it comes right down to it, I just think that that guy made them – like so much better last year. He was number fourteen pick in the draft. He's playing a bunch of minutes for New Orleans and scoring. He's a shooter. I just I don't I don't see UConn going all the way. Yeah, you certainly you definitely need at least one dead eye shooter on your team. And then Sonogo in the middle was really good last yes. year. He's you know not with their team anymore. But I, I kind of like like to me it seems like the focus this year is like Big East versus SEC. That, that's kind of like what I think, is those two conferences are probably the two best ones. The SEC definitely is the most athletic. That's what I'm seeing. And, and I will tell the listening audience, notoriously, the Pistol and I, we have been friends since college. We're going back, what, 30 years now. We're notoriously horrible handicappers for college basketball and anything. <laughs> like, you really shouldn't be doing anything that we say to do on our advice. In fact, you should be doing the opposite. But... To our trained eyes, but horrible betting brains, the SEC is by far the fastest conference out there. That's what I see, Pistol. And who would have thought? I mean, years ago, so that 30 years ago, right, the only team you'd ever talk about in the SEC is Kentucky. There'd be nobody else. 
now, you know, you got Alabama, Auburn, like in the, you look at the top 25, there's probably like four or five SEC teams in there. They have so the most money. The they got, yes, they got the most money and the NIL stuff can convince people to go there for a team like even LSU that has the best facilities and they got the cash from, from football. You can start to pay guys to come and play for your schools. That's what's happening right now. That's why the SEC and the SEC is probably going to dominate basketball in the years ahead. Yeah, I mean, that'd be surprising. I still love that the Big East is hanging in there, yep. despite all the teams that have gone in and out. They still, you know, UConn is definitely representing, and they've got a bunch of other teams like Creighton in the top, you know, top 25. So, uh, you know, I think UConn and Marquette played lately, yeah. and UConn uh, beat them pretty handily. So by they haven't even really had close games between the top teams. No, Marquette got beat by 28 by UConn. I, I will say, I do kind of like the Pac-12. Pistol. I know my team, who I love, Arizona out there, lost last night, 74-77, to Washington State, who's actually ranked 21. There's a lot of the top 25 teams are in the Pac-12. Have you watched much Pac-12 this year? I haven't not watched much Pac-12. I feel like that that division always, or that conference always, ru- you know, ruins me in, when I root for them in the tournament. So uh, I just try to avoid Pac-12 at all costs. I'm with you, man. I picked them a few years thinking the winner was coming out of there and then my team lose like in the first round. I'm like, what is going on? This conference is horrible. So let's talk Bruins and maybe some more college basketball when we come back from this break here. The Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. NHTalkRadio.com. Pistol. Great insight there. Always does a great job on the radio with us. That's why I say we have the very best sports talk radio callers in the country on this show. I'm looking for new ones too. I'm always evaluating talent. Not that I want to muscle Pistol out of his position as a lead caller, but uh, I always, competition keeps people fresh and hungry. Wanting to be better. We gotta always be on the improve. I'm trying to be on the improve here with the show every day. The sports machine was slim. And the Pac-12 is trying to be on the improve here. As we went to break, we talked about Arizona losing last night to Washington State. Do people know? As we take a second, and I, I want to try and do this every day with college basketball, because when tournament comes time comes around, it's like I haven't watched enough because I've been watching football, I've been watching the Celtics, I've been watching you know the Bruins now, and I haven't seen much basketball so I'm relying on all the quote-unquote experts opinions as to like who's going to have the first round upset and stuff and I don't really know the teams or know the players so I want to know a little bit more going into this well for the Pac-12 people that don't know the two teams that are nationally ranked heading into last night's game were Arizona and Washington State Arizona was the number four team in the country they were undefeated at home 13 nothing 13 and 0 I mean and Washington State was number 21 in the country. And they had won seven games in a row. I think they come in to Arizona last night, pull off the victory. So Washington State is in first place 
in men's college basketball standings. I didn't even know that. I have no knowledge of Washington State at all, except I think that's where Drew Bledsoe went to college way back in the day. And he was the number one pick for the Patriots before Tom Brady started to play here. But as I look at the record, Washington State 12-4, and Arizona 11-4 in conference. Oregon 10-5, UCLA 9-6, Colorado 8-7, California 8-8, Utah 7-8. And And Utah is pretty decent. I got to watch some of this conference. Let's read the article I see on ESPN describing what happened last night with this Arizona-Washington State game. Jalen Wells. Who is Jalen Wells? I have no idea. I'm going to have to research this and get back to people on it, though, because he hit one of the biggest shots in recent Washington State history to lead the program to a thrilling road victory. His only regret is he didn't get to see it. Wells had a crucial four-point play in the final minute and scored 27 points to help number 21 Washington State beat number four Arizona 77-74 to on Thursday night for its eighth straight victory. One more paragraph. This is big, Wells said. There's a lot of moments we could have folded, but we stayed poised, kept fighting back. I think it's a big win for us, just because people thought we were the underdogs. People saying, oh, you've got to play Arizona. Then he says, quote, unquote, no, they've got to play us. I love it. And I love that we have another caller, one of our very best sports talk callers, on the phone right now. Welcome. Good morning, Slim. I hear you talking college basketball. That's right up my alley. It's getting to be that time of the year, what I think is probably the best two-week college sport to watch. I'm looking forward to it. I hear you talking Pac-12, Pac-10 now. I don't even yeah, well, know what they are. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that the most famous Washington State basketball player may be Clay Thompson. I, I believe that's where he went to school as well. Dropping some knowledge on us, my brother Dave. Thank you for the call. I know you've been traveling and doing stuff this week here. So have you watched Washington State play at all this year? I mean, there's so much sports on, but you seem to find some time to watch college basketball. I've watched a little. Of course, you know, you watch the game when Arizona came out to play at Cameron Indoor Stadium against Duke. Friday, it's a nationally televised game, but it's on before my bedtime. Because <laughs> that matters the noise. Right? Those back, those back yeah. games are all going on after I go to sleep most nights. And this is, this is exactly the reason why I love the conference tournaments that are going to be starting up next the week after next. You know, you're going to get a lot of the smaller conference tournaments the first week, and then the second week, all the big ones. That's when you're going to really be able to dial it in on those conferences that you don't know. So I'm going to spend a lot more time watching college basketball. I do think this season seems to be wide open, though. I mean, you had UConn the number one team in the country in the Big East, take out Marquette last weekend by 28. They beat him. Marquette was the number four team overall. And then the very next game, UConn, who's the number one uh, team in the country rankings, you got Creighton beats them by 20 here in the very next game. So it's like it's open this year, I think. It's, I mean, listen, I don't think it's as open as, as a lot of people may. You know, I mean, last year I think was an aberration. You had a lot of those Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, you know, Miami and UConn. I think the, the UConn as a four seed was the highest ranked team in the Final Four. I expect more of the Blue Bloods to return this year. I think UConn is dangerous. Uh, Newton and Spencer are really, really solid guards. I mean, they carry that team. They got Castle, who's probably the highest rated pro prospect coming off uh, or come, you know, coming on as, as like a third fiddle for them right now, even though he's the freshman. They expected Klingon to take a big step. He hasn't really done that. But the thing about UConn is they only lost 
two teams in the Big East last year. I don't know if anybody knows that. Last year, they did not lose the game out of conference. So those teams in the Big East, they're familiar with UConn strategy, and I thought it was evident watching Creighton. If you can find a way to limit Klingon, limit their big, UConn's vulnerable. Nice insight there. So uh, as far as coming out of the Big East, when I saw Creighton play, man, I, I, I thought that – Cockbrenner's solid. Ashworth is solid. They got some players on that team. Creighton's going to be dangerous in the tournament. Do you do you have any thoughts on them? I don't know how much you've watched of them. Yeah, so uh, look, I was on Creighton last year. I, I, they're a dangerous team because they can beat anybody. I mean, Bailey Shireman, I think, is really the right. the, the engine, you know, the cog in the engine. Like, he makes them go. And he hit some big shots in that second half when UConn looked like they were going to put a rally together, close that lead down. Shireman nailed some big shots for them. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he's a transfer out of South Dakota State from a couple of years back, right? You know, like they have a they, they do a good job of keeping their core together. They got some some older individuals, which I think in college basketball that matters. So Creighton is a good is a is a real good tourney team. I mean, again, they have to shoot well, right? Because they're not super right. athletic. No, they're not. So it, no, they're not. Right, you can see it. So, th- so that's you know where hey, they can beat anybody, but it's going to be hard for them to put together six games in a row where they win. And, and, and can win the conference champion or win the, the NCAA tournament because they're just not that athletic. They're thirty to one odds right now to win it all, and then you got a team like Kentucky who's twenty to one, twenty eight to one odds, very close. And I just think Kentucky has the athleticism and the scoring ability. The question is on the defensive end, but Calipari has shown us through time and time again he knows how to get guys to play at their best come tournament time and he can teach those kids to up their level of intensity come defense you know on the defensive side of things come tournament time you have you watched Kentucky I like them Kentucky's super athletic they're going to have at least two first round draft picks out of their roster maybe three this year depending on if the third guy comes out you know so that's not something that a lot of college basketball teams can boast and so of course that's danger right for any other team that's playing them in the tournament but you're seeing uh, a little bit of their their weakness, right? Their defense, and when you have younger guys that are playing in the, at that level, and you're playing against guys that are two, three years older than you, sometimes four or five, because North Carolina, you'll see how some guys that are 23, 24 on their roster. You know, when Kentucky has to match up against those bigger, more physical teams, like they're going to struggle. So they're going to be matchup dependent. I think like their run is going to be contingent on them finding the right team to match up against in the tournament. The fun thing is when you got a team that's like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten seed when the brackets come out and you're like, hey, wait a minute, this team can go to the final four. I want to root for them and here's why. So that's what I'd like to be able to break down on the show over the upcoming weeks. Um, we didn't talk much about the Bruins yet today, Dave, but one question that I know is going to end up being asked on Sports Talk radio shows as we approach the regular season ends, which team is going to go farther in the playoffs, the Celtics or the Bruins? Most everybody's going to answer the Celtics. Are you, are you on board with that? Yeah, so, yeah the Celtics can't. I, I, listen, I don't think the Celtics can lose unless there's an injury. I just think they're too deep. they got too much talent. You know, I mean, they, people can look at his, you know, the last few years and say, well, they're weak. No, no they're, they're, they're no longer kids. They've grown up. Jason Tatum's grown into his body. Jalen Brown's grown into his body. They've gotten better and better. The additions of Drew Holiday and Christoph Porzingis this year, I just think, are significantly better and significant upgrades over the Marcus Smart and the Grant Williams that they had at <laughs> Robert Williams last year. Like they're just too good this year that if they don't have an injury, like they, they can't they can't lose four out of seven games against any team in the NBA. I love the confidence. It does scare me because you know I've been picking the Celtics to win it all for I think four years now and have been very confident. 
each of those years, actually. So I'm, I'm tempering my enthusiasm for this year's run, but I'm very confident about the Bruins. I'm going to tell you, people, are they discounting the Bruins team. I, I think the Bruins are in for a long run. I don't know if you want to hold on through the commercial, Dave. Sure, why not? I can give you a couple more minutes. All right, I love your insight. You're listening here to The Sports Machine with Slim and my brother Dave on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. You got it. NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. We got more. It's a Friday, and guess what? The feeling of spring is kind of in the air. It's starting to get warmer. I don't know if winter is over yet. Maybe uh, my brother Dave, who's on the line here right now, has an answer to this. Can you be a substitute weatherman for us? My brother Dave, do you think winter is over? No, I think there's probably going to be one more run up here in New England where we'll get another you know, two weeks and Maybe another snowstorm or two. That usually happens. It's only February. You know, I mean, it seems like the winters are stretched out over the last few years into the end of March. So while I remain hopeful <laughs> that winter is behind us, uh, I think that it's tempered, as you say, <laughs> in terms of what I think is actually going to happen. I, I think there'll probably be another snowstorm or two. I would think so, too. But this coming week is supposed to be pretty great weather. Just so you know, I think it's supposed to be like 60 one of these days. I'm trying to access my... Uh, my phone, but not having any success. I have AT&T, and I was down and out yesterday for a lot of the day with no service. Did you hear about that? I did hear about that. Some of my family members were impacted. You know, and the only thing I could think of was, man, I wonder how that impacts cryptocurrency. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what my brother Slim was thinking about that. Well, there was no big price drop, so I wasn't thinking much about it at the time. But certainly, if uh, <laughs> the internet goes down, that's an issue all over the place, and it would result in rapid price drops when the internet got back up and it just seems like yesterday i mean they they said they're not sure why the at&t network was down it's like listen i'm sure somebody out there is pretty sure of it like you know the hackers can do some crazy stuff and maybe it's just a test trial run who knows god forbid maybe it's an animal just got into some switch or something somewhere but more likely something like that if they're saying they don't know how and why the service went down that's probably that they're trying to hide something would be my guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you, you probably have heard that they're looking to do away with landlines, right? You know, the phone companies have said that they're too expensive to maintain anymore. You know, parts are just that much harder to find. And so, you know, there are a couple states out there where the phone companies have, have already filed, you know, for them to do away with this. And it looks like it's going to go away. And then all of a sudden, here we go. We have a problem with the technology. And I'm like, ah, I wonder... You know, conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. is just something that actually you know, some people have looked at. So now nah, we're not quite ready for that. Interesting point. There it could be. And I'm down with this. That is such a short-sighted, silly, like this is the type of stuff, I mean, not to go political or government at all here on this, but you can't get rid of landlines, you morons. We can't all be like totally dependent on wireless 
technology that can be taken down. Like if you take out satellites in the sky, you can take the whole thing down. You can't be reliant like that. I mean, how obvious is this? This shouldn't be political at all or, or anything like that, right? It shouldn't be controversial. This should be pretty obvious, Dave, no? Well, clearly you can. There's just a lot more risk associated with doing it. Kind of like the Bruins if they were to trade Lena Solmark. Solid transition. Solid transition. Do you think we ought to trade Elmark? I know we've talked about this over the last couple of months, and you were on record saying no. Uh, you were on saying yes. I was on record saying no. We don't want to trade him, but the Bruins have some holes on the back end here. There's definitely holes on the defensive side of things. But I think that they have, you know, maybe even a deeper hole at center. You know, I mean, Charlie Coyle on the second line. I like Charlie Coyle. I love Charlie but Coyle. Don't you dare say a I bad think, thing about him. I love him. I just think he'd be better on the third line. You know, I mean, if you could find a way to upgrade that piece, and if it takes trade and lean to sell Mark to make that happen, you know, I, I like I, I would do that. But of course, it depends on what piece you're going to be able to bring back. So, I mean, there's, there's a risk reward in every move that you make. I just think the Bruins are in a window right now. Like, where, hey, we, we actually can win. Like, we're one of those teams you went for it last year. I'm not looking for them to trade a bunch of pieces, risk you know, uh, 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 trade, tradable assets, draft picks, things of that nature. But if there's a move, one simple move that you can make, I think they should absolutely do it. Well, I mean, the Bruins are just so tough. Uh, they just keep fighting back. Last night I watched the game. I turned it on. We're outshot 6 nothing to start the game. I'm watching the Celtics, and I turn back with three minutes left in the first period. The Bruins are down one nothing. Eh, no worries. No worries at all. Guess what? Marshand comes down, causes the goalie to like have to, um, well, somebody to, to make a play sooner than they needed to. I think it was the goalie. He came way out of the net. Charlie Coyle intercepts it. Boom. Scores, ties it up 1-1. People might say it's a little luck. It was hustle by Martian to force the bad play. And then uh, 30 seconds later, 36 seconds later, Calgary scores to go up 2-1. to one. And I'm just like, dude, this is just who the Bruins are. They're going to find a way to come back. And lo and behold, the third period, Charlie Coyle scores yet again. Ties it up 2-2. Two to two. Going to overtime. The overtime was sick. Did you get to watch that, Dave? I'll assume the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was in. <laughs> I was in an area that does not broadcast Boston Bruins sports or, or Boston sports in general. So, but the one thing about the Bruins is they're not the favorite that the Celtics are, which makes them more more fun to watch, isn't it? Like, don't you enjoy watching a Bruins team and rooting for them in the playoffs more than what you're gonna root for with the Celtics? As I'm watching the games at night, I would rather watch the Bruins game. I bet the Celtics last night. So I watched the Celtics game. That the only reason is because I bet it. Otherwise, I'm enjoying watching the Bruins more than I am the Celtics night to night. I don't know what you think. Yeah, it's kind of like with the Patriots. When the Patriots were winning championships in 01, 03, 04, like those were exciting championships. Then as we started to expect them to win, they weren't nearly as much fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still loved watching them win. It was still fun. But it's just there's something about being an underdog, you know, and, and again, like whether it's in hockey, whether it's in basketball or college basketball, like the Cinderella team, like I love being that team. I just think it's a ton of fun to root for that team. You nailed it. That's why I'm so excited about the Bruins because I do think a lot of people are just not confident in them because they failed last year. And as I mentioned on the show yesterday, listen, Brad Marchand and David Pasternak and Charlie uh, McAvoy, um, they're showing you that 
they're coming through in primetime situations, whether it's our biggest games or our biggest moments where we're coming back from being down two goals to one. Who scores the tying goal? It's one of these dudes. Two games in a row with McAvoy scoring the big goal. Marchand scoring a big goal. These are the guys that haven't come through in the playoffs before. I'm telling you, they're going to come through this year. The Bruins team is going to do something special. There's no doubt they're scrappy. I think the thing that's going to propel them in the postseason for a run this year is what happened last year. I do think that 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 sits in the locker room. I mean, just having played sports my entire life, like there's something that just sits in your gut when you get into that next year. You're you're more focused. You're you know set on hey, we're going to change you know what what happened now. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe you know I mean maybe your team's just not that good. But I actually do think that the Bruins team is is talented enough to make a run at the cup. Look at the scoreboard, Dave. When, when I look at the Bruins' schedule, the, their best game, starting most recently, the biggest teams they played. At Edmonton, we win 6-5. to five. At home against Dallas, we win 4-3. to three. At home against Tampa Bay, we lost 3-2 to two in the shootout. Then you go Vancouver at home, we win 4 to nothing. I'm going to try and just find the top teams. At Las Vegas, we lose 2-1 to one in overtime. Tampa Bay at home, we beat 7-3. to three. I can keep going. All the biggest games. We played the New York Rangers. We lose 2-1 to one in overtime. But every time we're playing, the only time we're losing to a big team is in overtime. We're, the other times, we're beating all the best teams in the NHL. That tells me like we can play at that top level. There's no reason to be afraid come playoff time. They have for years since they've had Marshawn on the team. I think you had mentioned it on a show earlier this week. Most points in the NHL since he actually entered the, the, the NHL, right? You know what I mean? So, so they're, they, they find ways to compete. Like, they always have. I mean, last year, they lose the first round. I think people forget they were up 3-1, right? They had two or three leads in game six of that series that they should have closed out. They just weren't able to keep Florida off the scoreboard. You know, and Florida ended up going to the finals. So, so the, the Bruins lost to a team that then ran through the East. So, you know, and they had them on the, on the ropes 3-1. So like this one team that hey last year like it was it was a, a, an unfortunate you know mishap in the first round, but there's nothing that suggests that they were over uh, that they played over their heads. Like this is a talented team; they have every right to go out there and compete for a championship. Exactly, and it's the second year under Jim Montgomery, who is a winner. He's won a national title as a player, was the most valuable player in the final game for Maine Black Bears. Like that's who's at the helm now. He's been here; it's his second year. The first year. Best regular season of all time. Okay, we didn't win. But now we got some new guys in here. And I think the, the core guys, though, are, have elevated their game. I'm on record saying, like, Marshan, Pasenak, I know had a great year last year. I just think they're tougher now. And Charlie McAvoy definitely is better this year than last year. So I think the Bruins are going to the finals. I, I'm right there with the Celtics. I just, I'm not going to say, oh, the Celtics are definitely going farther than the Bruins. I think the Celts could stub their toe against the Sixers, even though I know you say they're definitely going. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Sixers, I think there are certain things that, that in, in the sports world, like the Sixers just don't have enough talent. I mean, outside of Embiid, I mean, people can talk about Maxi. Like, I, I just don't think from a talent perspective that they have any chance of competing with the Celtics when it comes to, when it comes to a playoff situation. Every time will tell, right? This is why sports gambling exists. People get to bet on the things that they have, and when they're right, they get to cash it. When they lose, they get to give their money away. Well, speaking of which, as we wrap things up for this week here, Dave, I did bet the Celtics last night with the $100 I left in the DraftKings account. I got plus 130 odds on the Celts, minus 8.5. 
we covered their bets. We now have $230 in there. I'm betting it all on something. Do you have any picks for this weekend that I should let it ride on? I don't even know what the lines are. I call it South, but I know North Carolina is playing at Virginia. I think that's a big game. North Carolina won three out of six. I like North Carolina a lot in that game. So if I was going to do that, I don't know what the line is, but I'm imagining it's somewhere off there. There we go. Thank you very much, my brother Dave. You've been listening to The Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. We're building something special here. NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. Have a great weekend.